All right, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. We are continually in the process of an invitation to the perpetual Passover. This is part four. Uh, man, we're, we're moving along here. Thank you for listening and for giving yourself. I know time is valuable, even in these days when many people's lives are very different um, with work and you can't go to the movies and restaurants and all these things that most people normally spend time doing. So maybe there's some more time allowed, but whatever the case, whatever reason you're listening, watching for, um, thank you for giving your time to this. And, and I titled this an invitation for that very reason, at, at the very core of what that word means is, I just want to bring you something as, a, as, a, as an invite to say, look, I have been shown these great mysteries that no one's ever taught me until the last year of my life. No one's ever taught me these things. No one's ever said, hey, Joel. And now, well, okay, step back. I've had a couple individuals over the last 30 years mention these things. I was never interested. Let's just put it that way. But very, very few have ever presented these things to me um, as something that had anything to do with me in the here and now. I'm saying now I'm one of those guys that maybe now you are one of the people who just, this isn't for me. I'm not interested and that's okay, but that's why this is an invitation. I'm just saying, hey, I have come into something that maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't understand this yet. Maybe you've not come into this understanding yet. Would you at least look at it and consider it? That's the whole point of what I'm doing here. Um, so we are going to continue. We're not going to do any um, looking back and, and, and covering what we've already talked about. Again, it takes too much time. We're already into part four. I'm not half done. We're going to have to just, we're going to have to narrow this down, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. So Paul, he was, the, we we're talking a lot about Paul. Well, why? Again, we're setting the groundwork of how the teachings of Paul confirmed the, the, the old teachings of the Old Testament, that he was not a man with some great new ideas that just forsook everything that he knew and became a Christian dude, okay? Um, he remained a great, awesome Jewish teacher who came into Yeshua Messiah and understood all of the happenings within the culmination of the God-man meeting all that preceded him, the slain lamb reality. In within Passover, of, of course, as well as we've already looked about, looked into the last episode, part three, we talked about him making all the correlations of saying Christ, our Passover, our Passover, Corinthian church, New Testament church, Christ, your Passover, ours, he's our Passover, okay? And let because of that, let's celebrate the feast because of that. Let's keep doing what we've already been doing in Messiah. I'm telling you, this is so this is so clear once we just turn again a few degrees towards understanding this principle. So, in this is another thing Paul said. So Paul took the men, purified himself along with them and entered the temple to give notice of when the period of purification would be finished and the offering would have to be made for each of them. Let's just be clear. He doesn't go in to run off the priests. He doesn't go in to correct the teachers. He goes into the temple to give notice 
of when purification should be finished and when the offering would have to be made. For who? For he and his people he's with. That's why he went in the temple. Seven days were almost up when unbelieving Jews, okay, not believers of Messiah, from Asia saw Paul in the temple. What did they do? They stirred up all the crowd and they grabbed him. Now let's just make this clear. Why did they do that? Because he's talking about this Messiah, God-man, being our Passover. Well, what happened at Passover, y'all? The leaders hated this God-man Messiah coming in and saying he now was the lamb. Well, don't you see? I am the priest and I'm carrying the lamb. Hello? I'm carrying the lamb. You're not the lamb. Well, Paul comes in representing the capital L lamb in the temple, carrying out the ordinances of the temple with those brothers he's with. And what do the leaders say? This dude's got to get out of here. He's this slain lamb, uh, high, great high priest guy. Get him out, right? They stir up the crowd and they grab him. They seize Paul. They shout, men of Israel, help! Stirring up the people. And they start pointing at him. What do they say? This is the man who goes everywhere teaching everyone things against you, Israelites. He's teaching against the Jews. Against the Torah. And against this temple. Now he's even brought some of the goyim the followers, the Gentiles, the heathen Gentiles, the pig-eater people. He's even brought them with him into our holy house of God. They've defiled this holy place. Why did they say that? Did he defile the holy place? Again, we're talking identity here. People of God, Jew, Gentile, grafted in, same, in Messiah. So was he defiling the temple? According to their oral traditions, yes. The Gentiles were as pigs. They don't deserve the gospel. One of the teachers at the fellowship talking about the house of Shammai and the house of Hallel. Holy cow, changing my understanding towards Pharisees and Sadducees and the teachers of the law. One group said, Gentiles, never. No way. Another, yeah. They can come in. Grace. They're allowed in. Well, these were obviously the ones who said, "Uh uh-uh, they're defiling this place. He's got the goyim, the Gentile people with him. Oh, cursed be the ground they walk upon. Vile men. They had even previously seen this this guy, Trophimus with Paul. They name him specifically. I didn't even have time to look into that. He's some guy from Ephesus. They saw this man with Paul and they assumed that he had brought him into the temple. Some lowlife guy that didn't deserve to know God like they did. So do we understand what we're saying? This is the same with Passover. Paul said, look, y'all, listen, leaders, teachers, you're missing it. You know Passover. You know the the reason why you do what you do with the Passover lamb. But guess what? You're missing the culmination of the Passover lamb, Messiah. And as I said in part three, look, y'all, we have been these two sides. 
Now, if Paul was here today, I'm telling you as sure as I'm sitting here, if Shaul was here right now, you know what he would say? Hey, church, hey, especially Christian American church, you don't know who you are. You've abandoned the faith of your entire lineage and heritage as being grafted into the people of God. You're pushing you're pushing those who preceded you out, the people of God, you're pushing them out and saying they don't deserve to know God and they missed Messiah. They missed him, you know, but not me. I'm in Jesus. Well, you know what he would say? Yes, you have Messiah, but you don't have any guidelines or boundaries that Messiah empowers you to walk out now, including Passover. You've missed it. I believe he would say that. We must, be, we must continue to be clear that Paul did not come to eradicate what was. Like Passover. <laughs> Christ, your Passover lamb. He's it. He's the same. Again, through him. He didn't come and eradicate the Passover lamb reality. He became it, personified it, and now through him we what? As he just said in the other text. Now let's celebrate the feast because we have seen the God-man become the Passover lamb. It's incredible. Acts 21, 17. The perpetuity of what Israel had already known. Acts 21, 17. After we arrived in Jerusalem, we were received gladly by the, by the brethren. And the following day, Shaul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. Okay, so just, we got to picture these scenarios. You got Paul, the elders, and James. After he had greeted them, Paul, Paul began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. The revelation that the Gentiles could say, and they understood, and we do not. I can be in God's people? Because see, again, they were seen as scum of the earth, y'all. The leaders, the, the oral law teachers who made all their own rules and regulations and guidelines that man could not keep because they were never meant to. It was an addition to the laws of God. These men, Gentile men like me, like you probably, were scum of the earth. I mean, nothing. Vile. You can't know God. You're not a Jew. Well, Paul comes and he's teaching them in Acts. He's talking to them about this revelation of the Gentile church realizing we can be the people of God. We can keep the feasts. We can do Passover. Are you joking? Seriously, do we even understand that? I would say we do not. After he greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had been doing among the Gentiles through his own ministry, what he personally saw. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of, of those who have believed? And they are all zealous for the law. What? There are thousands? They've believed in Yeshua Messiah? 
and they're zealous not for the Messiah. They're not, they're not like on fire Jesus followers. This is crystal clear. Acts says, these men who have believed in Messiah, they're zealous for the law. And they've been told about you that you're teaching all the Jews among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, lies and accusations. Accusations now. They're saying that you're saying to everyone not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you're here. In other words, they're saying there's all these lies and dissensions that you're abolishing the law of Moses and you're opposing the temple. And Paul, as he already said in the text we just looked at, he said, you don't understand why I'm here. If I'm guilty, kill me. If I'm opposing Torah and the law of Moses, have me stoned right here, right now. In other words, what did he say in another text? Prove it. Put me on trial, which they did and said, we can find nothing in him that proves our accusations, just like they said about Messiah. So when he says Christ is our Passover, it's all intricately woven into this teaching. Passover requirements. As I said, I believe back in part two when we got to this buckle your seatbelt. Passover requirements. Are there any? I, I know Jesus, I guess. Can I come to Passover? Let's find out. According to the text, not my opinion or yours or Pastor Billy Bob down the road. Not even Rabbi Shemakshamu. I made that up in case you couldn't tell. What does the Word of God say? Let's be clear. Requirements for, for Passover. Some thoughts. Are we still slaves? Have we had circumcision of the heart? Okay, I'm going to read a verse. Here's a little, little Bible quiz. I'm going to read a verse, and you guess where it is. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. So, circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Elohim of Elohims now. Because there are little E's, you know. He's also the Lord of lords. He is the great, mighty, awesome God. Okay, so the, the main part, the main little meat in this sandwich of text circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. Now, is this Ephesians? Is this Paul talking to the Galatian church? Because we know Paul always talked about the circumcision of the heart. No. <laughs> you know where this is? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 15. Deuteronomy 10, 15 talks about the circumcision of the heart. Well, I thought all the Old Testament was all just superficial nonsense. Foreskin, circumcision. I'm not, I don't have to do that. Silliness. Law. Old school ordinances that I'm not under in Jesus. Listen, this is the same thing. Have I mentioned that yet? Circumcision of the heart. Don't stiffen your neck any longer. 
It's all about in here. It always has been about in here. Deuteronomy, man, talks about the circumcision of the heart. So when Paul taught that, huh, Paul, he's just writing his letters. Man, you know, the, all the Old Testament prophets and everybody, all they talked about was external circumcision. I'm going to make, I'm going to put a twist on it. Circumcision of the heart. Bam. No. He would have known that. He would have known all of the texts talking about that, if nothing else, insinuating this is a heart issue, people. This is about identity. Once again, identity. Another example of continuity of how God deals with his people. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And we're going to get right back in, locked into and, uh, Passover. Purchased. Because again, we're talking about Passover. We're beginning to talk about Passover requirements. Well, why'd you read the circumcision of the heart then from Deuteronomy? You'll find out. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. We know this to the Corinthian church in here, in this. In your body, your physical body now. This isn't just some nasty old shell of sin waiting for Beulah land once it just dies and goes away. This is a temple. It's alive. So this here, like this little snippet here, you've been bought for a price by who? The great slain lamb. This isn't merely asking Jesus into your heart and just saying a little prayer and you get salvation. There's a price that was paid fully by Yeshua. And anyone who will come after him must bring themselves to the altar. See, this is the complexity of the imagery we have in the Bible. You've got the Old Testament examples of the temple, the sacrifices, the offerings, the, the aromas, the incense, the, all that. You've got the lamb. You've got the Passover lamb. All of the... The, the event now, the reality of the slain lamb um, blood on the natural doorpost of the house of the followers of God, literal and spiritual. You have Jesus, Yeshua, fulfilling all these things perfectly, spotless, blemishless, purchasing us. But why? So that we bring ourselves now in the, if you will, now careful, we continue the sacrificial system by becoming living sacrifices. Oh boy. I don't know if it's ever come out of my mouth before. Might sound kind of, that won't tickle many years. What if we continue rightly in Yeshua Messiah, the sacrificial system in this age, post-resurrection, post-descension of Holy Spirit? What if that's true? We now continue the sacrificial system. It was not abolished. It was not eradicated. It was moved into this. I am now a living sacrifice willfully. I willfully bring this body, I beat it, like Paul said, into submission to sacrifice it upon the altar before the Lord. It's an, a please, it is a pleasing aroma to the Father. Well, the sacrificial system... Was it done away with, or are we supposed to be it? Seems like a valid question to me. Especially in light of this Passover understanding. 
we go into the perfect slain lamb sacrifice, he becomes our identity through the surrendered will. Denial of self. Opposing first Adam lineage bloodline patterns and ways, which is all about self, all about self. Deification of self. Yeshua Messiah came, rode lowly on the donkey at Passover, became our Passover lamb. Why? To give us a pattern to do likewise. Because he said, what? Follow me. Follow me. Follow my patterns. Walk in my ways. Walk as I walked. Look like me. Do what I did. It's, the, it's this exchange life. You all, if you listen to the podcast at all, man, you probably hear that every other message. The exchange life. We put ourselves on the altar. We saw it in Egypt. We saw it in Messiah. We ourselves now continue in this perpetual Passover observance command by saying, I will forever remember the pattern of God of, of putting myself into him to be my protection, to be my provision, to be my safety. I go into the slain lamb to be my identity, to be my everything. In this part here, and then we're going to go into the requirements a little bit further and we'll wrap that up in this part and we'll keep moving. Good grief, is the sun going to go down soon? I hope not. I got to squeeze out some Shabbat Hagadol time on this great Sabbath, y'all. Me, man, if you knew me, you'd be like, is that Joel for real? Is that him? Hey, honey, come here. Is that Joel He's talking all weird. That doesn't sound like him at all. Yes and amen. Amen. Jesus was the Passover lamb. Inspected by the priests. Like, again, in the specifics of Passover, he was inspected by the priests for four days, y'all. Just like the Passover natural animal lamb was brought in and inspected and made sure no broken bones, no blemish, no spot, no disease, no sickness, no issue, man. Like the perfect personification of a lamb. A young male lamb. Mature, but young. We don't have time for all of that. The perfect lamb. Inspected by the priest. Yep, this one. This one is chosen to be acceptable. Yeshua Messiah. Do we realize these things? All these things, man, all interrelated. He was inspected by what? The priests. Hey, question, 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 jab, jab, jab. Provoked, inspected, pried apart, examined. What did they say? What did they say? I find no fault in him. We're going to deem him guilty now, but I can't find one single thing wrong with him. And they hated that. Don't you think? They had to hate that. Man, we can't stick it to this guy. We can't stick it to Paul. He's keeping the law and he's in Messiah. Back on it. Right? Then here we are, so far removed 2020. We're so stinking ignorant. They could come to us and be like, what does the Jewish people do? What do they do with us? They're heathens. They're Gentile heathens. Why? Because we live like that. We're Christian Americans captivated by entertainment and doing whatever we want because we're covered in the grace of Jesus. 
We need to be covered in his blood is what we need to be. Dripping in the blood that brings us conviction and, and keeps us from being a stiff-necked people who don't circumcise our heart. <sighs> Passover was nearing. And when, when Yeshua was having that meal with his friends, with his brothers, he was making it clear for all of those who had eyes to see, the Lamb was approaching sacrifice. The Lamb had been prepared. He was about to be examined. He was ready to go to what I love one teacher, the way the execution stake. The way he talks about that is captivating. The execution stake. Again, not a fulfillment in order to abolish, forget Passover, but in a fulfillment to invite his followers to follow me. Come into me. What did he say now? Look at this bread. What is it? It's the dang Passover bread, y'all. <laughs> I mean, oh, the challah, the, the bread. He took it and they knew they said, even in the mystery of the ages, right? Part of them at least had to be like, if nothing else, let's just make them as ignorant and shallow as we are. What are you talking about, Jesus? I'm not eating. I mean, how offensive was that? You're going to eat me and drink my blood, right? We know what happened. Oh, uh, I'll see you later, right? That's what they did. <laughs> In many cases, they can't take Jesus' crazy talk. He's saying the same to us. What is he saying? This is about to be my body. This is about to be my blood. And if you want to come into me, if you want to experience the Passover in its fullness, you got to eat it and you got to drink it. But you know what? This cup, man, this cup, this Passover cup, this one, not the little plastic grape juice that you pop open and sip on at the revival meeting on night 27, this Passover cup. When you drink this, you remember me. Who? The Passover lamb. You remember me now. I am all these components of this meal right here. I'm about to go. I'm about to go. I'm about to go out there and be examined, deemed free of blemish, and I'm about to die. Y'all, we don't have any clue. I have no idea of the layers of what all this is saying. So who is Passover for? Are there requirements? I'm taking a slow I'm taking a slow train getting there and I'm sorry. Exodus 12 and then we're going to bring this man. Part 5's coming. I got to put a 4 on this. We're trucking along, man. We might get it done in 5 parts. Maybe. Now this is good. I think the whole thing's awesome. But this part Look, if you're afraid of like demands and requirements and before God and like if you have been convinced and taught like me for most of your life, you don't do anything. You receive, 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 receive. You know, God opens the heavens, everything today. Like open the floodgates of heaven. Just dump out everything. I'm just holding the giant tote and God pour out your blessing. Oh, great God. Here I am. Man. He's slow. He is surely slow to anchor. 
He's surely patient, abounding in love and mercy and kindness towards us, these ridiculous, blessing-based people. So, what are the requirements? Are there any? Exodus 12 makes this clear as day. Again, this isn't about my opinion now. It's not about yours. These exactly mirror those who are in the people of God now, the grafted in ones, in Yeshua. If we're in the same now, I don't have time to keep making sure you understand, are you in fact Israel? There's studies that we can do on that. I'm not quite there yet to explain that from a teaching standpoint. I get it, but it can't come out of here yet. I'm just not there. I'm too immature in that area. Whoa, shocker. Exodus 12, though, tells us clearly. This makes it simple for us, right? Are there requirements for Passover? Can anybody come? Hey, how about my neighbor over there? Well, what's his story? Well, he's pagan. He, he does Easter bunnies and, you know, he, he believes there's a God. Well, does he know a Messiah? Well, I mean, no, we, we don't talk about that. He, you know, there's got to be a God. I'm God. You're God. The trees are God. Okay, he's out. Let's just be, let's let the word just tell us, not me. Exodus 12. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. Okay, Passover. But... If a stranger, okay, you got the people, you got a stranger. You got one in, you got one out. You got one local, you got one traveling. He's a stranger. He is from without. So if one of these guys, these strangers, if they're sojourning with you, and he celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. And then... Let him come near to celebrate it. And he, this is key now, he, this stranger sojourning with you, the man coming along with you to celebrate Passover, then if he is circumcised, he shall be like a native of the land. He shall be as a native. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Okay, so let's un unpack this just a tiny bit. We talked about how Scripture, Old Testament now, Deuteronomy, already talks about the circumcision of the heart. We know that in Yeshua Messiah, he's saying, look, you're doing all this outward stuff with your body now. I'm saying, look, I'm taking, like he said, with all these things, right? You've heard it said, right? Murder, um, fornication, lust. I'm taking all these outward things and I'm not just saying, poof, don't matter. But I am saying we're taking those and we're internalizing them and we're making them an inward reality. Why is that, why is that significant? Because Yeshua came and he gave us the Holy Spirit, to what? Empower us from the inside out, which perfectly matches Yeshua saying, look, I'm here to move all of these things into a inner reality first and foremost and way deeper. This is my understanding of how I verbalized this for the last four months or so. Instead of Jesus, Yeshua, coming to abolish and destroy the law, I think he said, 
I'm taking the law from here and I'm moving it to here. I'm taking it from here, from here, and I'm moving it in here. I'm not eradicating it. I'm making it more. I'm making it harder. Man, I've never heard anybody say that. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm saying, is it possible, according to all that we know throughout the Bible, that when Yeshua came and fulfilled, and when he said all those things now, like you've heard it said, and when he was always talking about like, okay, so like, I'm not just saying now if you go murder your brother, you're a murderer. I'm saying if in your heart you wish evil for him, murderer. Is that not elevated? I think he didn't just, I don't think he abolished it. I think he elevated it. I think he raised it. Now, I have heard a teacher say that specifically, and I love the verbiage now that I remember that. He elevated it. So in this context, he's saying in Exodus 12, they're, they're, they're making these requirements. Look, if you don't have that circumcision of the heart, if you've not been changed, like identifiably changed now, we're not going to get into anatomy, but if it's done correctly, it's not like, hmm, I don't know. It's like, okay, woo, yes and no, all right? It should be like that in the spiritual condition of our heart, which what? Plays out in my life, how I live, what I do, what I don't do, all these things, sanctification and the true understanding of holiness, which again is not just a mere attribute of our life where we become more holy. It is a mark for those who keep the commands of God, Keep his ways. Keep his festivals like Passover. It marks us. It marks us, identifies us as a distinguishable set-apart people who are told what? Come out from among them, which happened at Passover. The deliverance came. Come out from among them, we could say. Get into your house. We'll put the blood. Go into your house. Lock the door. Look, don't come out till morning. Trust me, stay in. Hear the word of the Lord. Why? For these things, and then you, so you get to Yeshua's day, and then these requirements continue. And they continue here now. Circumcision of the heart. There's native, man, we don't have time. Drawing near was real profound. Draw near, come in here. You're allowed in. That's what, that's what the teachers of the oral law who hated what Yeshua was coming with and Paul was hating, they were hating what Paul was saying. They hated it because they did not want the inclusion of what Messiah brought in his sacrificial death. They did not want you or me, the Gentile people, to come in. Why? Because we didn't deserve it. And here's the irony. Now the Christian church, the majority now, tells the Jewish people, you don't deserve Jesus. You don't deserve to know God because you missed him. Isn't that ironic? You don't deserve Messiah. You don't deserve to know God. You don't deserve Messiah. And so what? The grafting in reality continues to be oh, pulled apart, pulled apart through division and deception. Why? Ah, don't even get me started. Okay, so we're going to close this up. This is part four. What are we doing? An invitation to the perpetual Passover? I think we can finish this thing. Maybe. Thank you for listening. Man, if anybody's still around at this point, I'd like if I had something, like if I if I had a book, you know, I'd like for a 
instead of a love gift, if you make it, if you make it to part five, I'd like to send you one of my tapes. I do have tapes and CDs now from back in the day. I could sign something for you. Anyway, I'm wasting time. Thank you for listening. We're going to go into part five. It might be a conclusion, and it might precede part six. We'll just have to see. Whatever the case, thank you so much for listening. I mean that to the to my guts. Thank you for listening. An invitation to the perpetual Passover. I'm putting some things out there. Would you like to see more of what's in here? If so, tune in. Part five coming up next. Go to pathdesign.com. Subscribe. Share this, please, if you feel that this, in fact, is what the Lord is saying in this hour. Amen.